Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Hope you and yours are doing well. Here we are in the midst of COVID-19. One of my dear friends is on the call today. He's in a snowy Omaha, Nebraska, heartland of America. Uh, he and his wife, Felina, are the founders of the Gravity Center. They have been uh, some of the great lights that have Help me find my way these last handful of years, and uh, I am my cup overflows with gratitude for them. And uh, he's he's not a, a new voice for us on the podcast. He's been here before. Uh, he's got a new podcast that's out, and I just thought, you know, there's probably some things we can pick in his mind today that'll help us all navigate these new interesting times we find ourselves in. So, that being said, brother Chris, welcome back. Hey, man, great to connect great to hear your voice thanks for for having me absolutely um so maybe for some of those uh of our listeners that haven't ever crossed paths with you before uh when you introduce yourself and your work in the world where do you begin yeah it's um it's tricky because um for 20 years i i did international humanitarian work and like for 20 years i i completely lost myself in that and and so i over identified with the role and and that's what i led with um I think now it's like, man, when I introduce myself, it's, um, it's interesting because like, I, I don't actually find my work all that interesting. We're, we're teaching mindfulness, meditation and contemplative practice to people. And it's like nothing sexually dramatic about that. Um, but that's, that's what keeps, keeps me busy. I, I guess like trying to understand and perceive myself, image myself and, and, and then put that out in the world is, um, I'm just trying to to make peace with my flaws. I'm trying to 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 be more human every day, and uh, lucky to have a, a great partner that supports that, and then a killer little dog that likes frosted cherry pop tarts. <laughs> How is Basil doing? Man, I love my dog so much. He's um the only thing that's like he's the only constant that's that's bringing me back to peace right now while everything is just sort of resetting and 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 turning inside out on itself it's like he clearly has no idea what's going on in the world um but i think he's pretty happy because this is the longest i've i've been home in in one stretch since we adopted him a few years ago yeah 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 no doubt um I'm sure we'll get into uh, some things Basil has taught you in our conversation mm-hmm. today. Um, talk to me about this new podcast project of yours, Enneagram Mapmakers, produced by the CAC. Uh, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. We're loving it. Um, how's it feel to be a podcaster now? Uh, yeah, thanks. I um, so funny. When, when my, my book, The Sacred Enneagram, dropped a, a couple years ago, and um, my publisher and publishers were like, hey, you should record some podcasts. I was like, oh, people still listen to podcasts? And like, I kind of thought that was like blogs. Like, oh, people still read blogs? And um, so I've recorded over 100 shows um, on that book. And I didn't realize how much effort and work goes into this. Yeah. So lean up to this 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 new book the enneagram of belonging i had been in touch with cory pig he's the producer for the podcast and he works at the cac to sort of freelance and and help me plug, plug something in and he's like why don't we just do this through the cac i had been in dialogue with the cac for a couple of years trying to find ways to partner and uh, it just seemed like a great fit so 
we launched and uh, just seemed to launch at the worst time possible because I had recorded all these conversations last October. But generally, Enneagram Mapmakers, at least this first season, is um, just highlighting some of the ovarian and seminal titan teachers um, who've developed the personality system over the last 50 years. And I wanted to get out of the way. I wanted uh, to sort of shine the light on their humanity and uh, let them talk about what it means to sort of explore the uh, unobserved interior landscapes of their ego and, and how the Enneagram has been a, been a support to that. Give me a little backstory of how the Enneagram found you. I think it's, uh, I think for some of our listeners, some are new to the Enneagram. Some have been hanging around it for a while, studying it. Um, I think your backstory is uh, interesting in the, in the, in the people that, and the stories that you have crossed, some of the great teachers um, are really some of the beacons in the Enneagram space that, that you've studied under. Yeah. Um, I, I, I learned it about 20 years ago in the slums of Cambodia from, from some friends, uh, a guy from New Zealand and a, and a Cambodian woman who is a survivor of the Khmer Rouge genocide there in the seventies. The and um, they, um, of course, I, I think recognize very quickly what my type was. They didn't put type on me. They let me come to terms with it. And, and when I did, it was, was kind of devastating. It was kind of freeing. It, it kind of made sense because I was part of a humanitarian organization. I, I, I tried to sort of loosely bring it into that here and there. And, and we kind of played around with it completely not understanding what we were doing. In fact, thinking it was simply about personality, not about ego structure, um, not about remembering essence and, uh, it, it kind of put it out, but uh, about, I want to say seven or eight years ago, I think it was probably 12 years ago, I, I, I spent, and we broke it down and, and spent day after day after day going over and through this. And then about six or seven years ago, I started to take my advanced studies very seriously. And and I've been lucky. I, I really have. Like I've, I've, I've studied and trained under almost all of the great living legacy teachers and, um, and I'm and I wanted to honor them, and and that's really what this this season of the podcast is 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 drawing on ten of those teachers as conversation partners to sort of help maybe some of the new instant experts who who maybe are unfamiliar with the 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 lineage sort of understand a little bit of its context. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I think anyone that has studied uh, under you, I mean, I'd say I've been in the room a handful of times. Uh, under you, you always point back to those um, beautiful souls as kind of the gift of uh, their work in the world and uh, leaning on um, kind of how they've taken the Enneagram uh, and brought it to where it's at. And I also love how you teach that um, this thing is kind of living, breathing, like it's also somewhat fairly new that like we're all learning and studying about it, that it's not just a concrete concept to inflate the ego and, and learn, you know, like on the disc profile, are you a DISC or whatever? Like, I think that there's a, uh, a beautiful um, aspect that you always ground the room where you are teaching in this reality that um, we're kind of just scratching the surface on it. And there's probably a lot of work left to be done. For sure. Otherwise, it's it's worn out and used up already. Like if the personality overlay is, is really just about to celebrate its 50th anniversary. Um, it is a young tradition and, 
and and this tradition has has sort of been gifted to us and and, and a lot of us have 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 sort of digested ingested metabolized what i think has been been sort of put out there but man it, it, it really is just the beginning and i think um that's um that gives us lots of opportunity that gives us lots of hope to like sort of see how this grows but i think how it grows in us as as a way of of, of sharing it and and putting it out further yeah yeah so i'm sure that you've had uh, a number of podcast calls interviews uh conversations with friends about shelter in place and maybe some of the things that uh is that is doing within us around us and maybe how um we can lean into the enneagram to help navigate some of these waters that quite honestly most of us have never had to navigate um I think it would be maybe helpful if we just started with the needs, the nine needs, and then maybe from there lean into uh, things that each number can be thinking about, navigating, dwelling on uh, uh, as we enter this space. So where do we begin? Talk to me about the needs of the, the Enneagram. When I learned, when I first learned this, and and this is how Father Richard Rohr used to to teach this back in the '80s, he he did wrap sort of these fundamental needs around type, and and you probably heard this like type one is the need to be perfect, two the need to be needed, three the need to succeed, and 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 um I I think there's something in that that actually sort of resonates with who we are, but my sense is I I, I think there's there's something that's been missed in that, and I I think maybe rather than canonizing these as 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 type structure fundamental needs i i think they're hints i i think what they're hinting to is this need to succeed just illustrates that perfectly it's like it's not that threes are the most ambitious or the most successful or the most driven it's that the threes are the most obvious about thirsting to be seen and and being validated and so if the three actually has this fundamental basic fear that they do not have intrinsic value they're going to spend their whole lives trying to earn that value why so that they can feel valuable enough to be loved or that they can actually think they're capable of earning the love they want but you see as little kids what they do is they swap out love for recognition admiration attention and it's unsatisfying because it's unsatisfying it creates a lane it creates rails it creates habits and and these habits begin to look ambitious begin to look driven right so my, my sense is you look at these 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 needs um, as 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 let's say kind of a, a contour to what type is telling us about what we want, but I really do think it's more about that. It's more about wanting to be loved and and how we go about finding love. And I think right now in in shelter in place when we're um, really disconnected from the presence of of friends of uh, family members of our community. Um, Yes, I, I imagine for the affection-starved person, for, for the attention-starved person, for, for the person who just needs to be around the energetic presence of another body, um, this relationship that we have to being loved is, is, is really going to be devastating for some of us until we realize that we've been actually efforting in all the wrong ways to get it. And that's, I think, one of the things that type shows. Hmm. So... Oh, no, I just think fundamentally it's first and foremost about learning to relate to self yep. and in shelter in place and in, in, in social distancing and isolation. Wow, man, we're, we're going to completely have to learn how to live at home, this home, our soul, yep. while we're 
trapped in our homes. Yep, 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 no yeah. doubt. Well, let me ask you this. This is kind of like forced silence, stillness, and solitude. Kind of. I mean, less, mm-hmm. less than Netflix and everything else. Um, I, I guess, how are you seeing that each of the triads, you know, they all lean into one aspect of silence or stillness and solitude? I guess just for some of our listeners, um, whether they are fresh to the Enneagram or they've been in it a while, what would you say is the invitation or the invitations right now? Um, yeah. for each number, or I don't know if you want to talk through the tri, you know, start at the triad level or how you think the best place to kind of have this dialogue is. Sure. So, um, so you know, I, what you're referencing is, is this, this sort of breakdown from one of the ideas that I, I, I tucked into the, to the sacred Enneagram. And, um, First of all, I one of the, the the ways I think that the Enneagram actually proves itself is, as I say this, it's a kind of fractal of triads. It keeps sort of breaking out into all these sets of three and these groupings and these sequencing, and and it just gives it such depth and 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 breadth. And and so, the fundamental sort of set or triad that we we first see that's foundational to everything tucked into the Enneagram of personality is this notion of our centers of intelligence, how we perceive and process reality. And, and we either do that through our head in our thoughts, we do that through our heart in our emotions, or we do that through our bodies with our instincts. Then in the sacred Enneagram, I, I, I suggested that those of us in our bodies, the eights, nines, and ones, um, to actually facilitate um, a, a clarity in processing and um, perceiving reality, we need to, to sort of drop into this interior contemplative posture of stillness for the heart types of of solitude and that would be the two threes and fours and for the head types five six and sevens silence i i, I think right now um stuck at home grounded staying in um stillness is is actually going to trigger a lot for for eights and and ones in particular and it's going to be an invitation for nines to wake up because for a lot of nines the stillness has actually kept you in kept you asleep hmm. and and i think what we'll see is this is going to trigger the the eights nines and ones most accessible emotion which is frustration and we're going to be frustrated with these circumstances we're going to be frustrated with this this new reality we're going to be frustrated with a, a, a countdown clock that doesn't exist and that's awesome that that frustration should come out we we should discharge it we should welcome it we should make peace with it and we should bring it into our mindfulness practices i, I think for the heart types man, this, this interior posture of solitude can, can be so paining for them. And, and because we're now forced into solitude, it, it really is going to give these, these types in particular a chance to care for themselves, to love for themselves, to, to see themselves, to, to hold their inner child and, and, and to make peace with the, the fragmented versions of themselves. And then for the head types, these five, six, and seven silence, I, I, I think when you, you, you dial down the noise and the noise that's constantly fueling this inner anxiety that that so many of the head types sort of struggle with, you're you're gonna have to find that sense of of peace and and that sense of peace and and not having answers and and solutions and 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 being okay with what you don't know, because if you you can't, it's just gonna make all of this worse. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing already. Yeah, yeah. So two threes and fours. The invitation is. Um 
Did you say solitude or silence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So it's solitude for the heart types, and yeah. and and that forced solitude, that forced being in, being alone, disconnected from from your people. It's it's painful, but it's um really what the the heart types have always needed from the beginning. It's learning to to draw attention to themselves first without feeling guilty about that. Because we know this, we we can only love somebody as 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 well as we've learned to love ourselves, and 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 there's nothing selfish in that. It, it really is just the the practicing inward, what we hope to project outward in the world. The problem is, is that we usually do it the wrong way. It, it, it kind of tumbles on us backwards. So, what does self care look like then, for two, threes, and fours? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just doing something good and. And, and, and lavish and, and generous and thoughtful for yourself. It's, it's taking the time that you need to, 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 to replenish everything you've probably been pouring out for, for everyone in your life or all the efforting that you've been doing to try to earn this love you want. Because in particular, in particular, the two, threes, and fours, I think, are the most obvious about how they thirst for love and and how they go about getting it and this is why it's it's so cliche and and this isn't accurate but it's a it's a it's a pithy way to get there quickly this is why it's sometimes said that the the twos give to get this is like i said earlier why the threes try to sort of swap out recognition for for real affection and this is why the fours sort of ache and feed off their shame to be known um, by seeing and seeing beauty in everything outside of themselves while somehow missing it inside themselves. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And five, six, and seven, the invitation um, for the head types is, uh, is it silence? Yeah, this this posture of interior silence, yeah. of, of, so- of just dialing down the anxiety. Like, I, I mean, and... The interior silence, I, I think, will follow some of the externals, and so probably turning the computer off, probably turning the news down. But yeah, an eight, nine, and ones is is uh, stillness. Is that right? Yep, and that's being okay, having to stop, having been stopped, and and being where you are, and allowing yourself to be where you are. I mean. I'll, I'll say this, like for myself personally, it's like, um, I, I, you know, I'm on 110 to 130 flights a year. And in fact, I, I can't believe this. Like, I, I can't believe that the, the first, um, couple weeks of March, I was in San Francisco and I was in Milwaukee and I was in Las Vegas and I was in Grand Rapids. It's like, that seems like a lifetime ago and, and in a completely different world, I'm grounded. I, I don't know when I'm leaving Omaha again but i'll tell you what um i know that i will have never spent this much or this many consecutive days in in the same town as i am now and will since at least 1996 so i get to learn to 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 be a different kind of of me and in a different reality and and it's already provided some challenges but it's already helped sort of cleans my lenses a little bit like it's helped me sort of find the value in presence and in place and in, in the stability of, of, of just having some regular routines. Hmm. You know, before our call, I was kind of reviewing some things in Sacred Enneagram. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the, the engage, rest, and consent that kind of moves around the color wheel of the Enneagram that you put in the book. Talk to me about 
how all of us are going to have kind of this different, some will need to engage in something. Some will need to rest in something. Some will need to consent to something. Um, I need my hand held on that uh, as dominant in type three of realizing what's it mean? What's it look like to engage in solitude? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So I think um, another one of these triads that I, I, I think really sort of creates three dimension to the, the, the rendering of the, the Enneagram symbol are, are what are sometimes called the harmony triads. And, and this is what Dr. David Daniels sort of framed them as. Um, the Enneagram Institute um, with Russ Hudson and the late Don Riso had, had framed these as the dominant affect groups. Um, one of my teachers, Marion Gilbert, sort of frames these less through function, less through interacting with reality, less through object relations theory, and actually more through life force. So there's there's a lot of ways to sort of, you know, put your finger on these equilateral triangles inside the circle and trace the lines, but it brings types to five and eight together. It brings types three, six, and nine, the revolutionary types or the anchor points together. And then it brings types ones, fours, and sevens, the the, the frustrated idealists together. And so, you know, where I, where I start with the centers of intelligence, where I say, for the body types, silence. For the heart types, solitude. For the head types, silence. So s solitude, silence, and stillness as interior contemplative postures. Well, yeah, twos, threes, and fours, five, six, and sevens, eight signs and ones were completely different. You can't kind of prescribe the same thing. For those of us, even in those centers of intelligence, when I take the, the harmony triads and overlay it, what I'm I'm saying is, if we have an interior contemplative posture, what are we holding in that posture? What is the mindfulness intention that will loosen our, our conditioned fixed personalities? And I think for the ones, the fours and the sevens, it has to be rest. And so if you're one, it's learning to rest in stillness. Fours, rest in solitude. Fives, rest in silence. If you're two, five, or eight, it's consenting. It's saying yes to these postures. For the eight, it's saying yes to stopping. To the two, yes to going inward in solitude. For the five, yes to turning down the noise in silence. And for the anchor points of three, six, and nine, it's embracing these postures. It's engaging these postures. It's the three actually being held in, in, in the embrace of solitude. For, for the six... It, it, it's engaging silence to find your courage. And for the nine, it, it's embracing stillness to, to wake up. And, and I think when you take these contemplative postures and these mindfulness intentions, that's where you really start to um, move beyond the Enneagram uh, as, as personality and, and more as the limits of our own ego structure that, that keep us um, asleep to these conditioned versions of uh, who we, we think we've become. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, you mentioned, uh, three, six, and nines, the, the revolutionaries, the one, fours, and sevens, the frustrated idealist, twos, fives, and eights. What were they again? Those are, are, are sometimes called the rejection types or, or Dr. David Daniels called those the, the relationalists. These are the folks that bring a, a lot of force of power in expressing their center. And so the eights express that intuitive anger, um, in their bodies, the, 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 the twos express a lot of that, um, heart forwardness and, and the fives sort of lead with the, 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 the sort of heavy headedness of their minds. Um, and, 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 and this, 
Harmony Triad in particular, it's like they reject the very thing that they need the most in the relationships. And, and, and so this is why you see them connecting, right? Like eights reject their own vulnerability by overprotecting their inner child. And, and so that's where the reach to two to find that nurturing care for that inner child or that reach to five to, to reflect on what needs to be cared for is so helpful. Whereas, you know, the two will neglect their own self-protection by nurturing everything around them. And so they do need to reach to five to, to actually figure out their own unselfish need for self-care and the reach to eight to learn to actually own their power and strength. And then the five, of course, really just evacuating into their mind palace needs both that reach to the eight and the two to come into their body and into their heart. And, and this equilateral triangle in particular also, I think, sort of shows us the evolution of, of religious expression. I, I think at point five, you have this um, sense of, of mindfulness, and, and we see that in Buddhism. But you know, if you don't move from mindfulness into heartfulness, something is lost. And I, and I think you reach to two, and you see that at, at Christianity at its best. But even from heartfulness, if it's not lived out and, and lived on the streets, then something's lost. And so you reach to eight towards embodiment. And, and I think Islam at its best is an embodied religion. And that's why our, our, our sisters and brothers who are Muslim touch their head to the ground five times a day to reach mind themselves that from dust we came to dust we shall return that we have to embody the values of our our faith community and faith tradition so there's lots there's lots of stuff happening in in in, in that sort of triad itself yeah no doubt but why why the label of revolutionaries to three six and nines so the three six and nines are are, are the revolutionary types because in, in a sense they're the exception to a lot of the rules in particular in relationship to the to the intelligence centers and so we can look at the centers of intelligence as is sort of like let's say the the three brains right the 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 body types sort of that reptilian brain, um, the heart types as is that limbic system, and then the the head types is that free frontal cortex that causes self reflection. And when you take that and you look at our our brain's instinctive survival skills, fight, flight, and freeze, you also see that show up in these centers. And so the body types fight. The heart types freeze because they can't leave um, the the one that they're closest to in, in in dangerous situations, and then the head types flee because they're smart enough not to to die on 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 the hill or in the battle that's the least meaningful to them. But you see, the the anchor points, the revolutionary types, always take their defended points: fight, flight, or freeze, survival instinct. And so the threes will fight for their image. Um, the sixes don't trust themselves, so they freeze, and the nines don't want to fight, so they flee. And that's just one. That's just one of the exceptions. Um, so there's there's a lot of exceptions to the rules that you see for the three, six, and nines, and 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 it's not confusing. It actually makes sense. It it just shows us they have a different growth trajectory towards integrating the aspects of themselves that have been neglected. And when they do that, they show us the rest of us, how to integrate those, those neglected components of, of self. Yeah. Yeah. And then one, four and seven frustrated idealist, um, hold my hand on understanding, uh, that frustration, uh, and ideology that they have. Yeah. So the frustration here is, is not getting what they, they perceived they wanted more of in their early and imperfect holding environments. So the, for the fours, it's like they wanted 
more love from both a protective and or nurturing caregiver. And, and because they felt like some of that was withheld, they feel like something in them is flawed or missing or, or, or broken. For the sevens, it was really um, feeling as if the nurturing caregiver had ha- had left them wanting. And this is because the seven actually doesn't have a natural connection to its own heart center. And, and so they're exporting that to this nurturing caregiver. And, and then the one was frustrated that the protective care giver didn't actually set in place more structure because fundamentally what the one wanted as as a little boy or girl was to know what the expectations were so that they could prove they were worthy of the love that they wanted by exceeding those expectations. And so it's an illusion actually in, in, in almost every scenario. It's a rereading of the past based on type bias, but this frustration really shows up in what they felt like was withheld and in relationship to what they've idealized, uh, the, the idealization of, of goodness or perfection for the one, of, of beauty and significance for the four, and, and of freedom for the seven. So maybe I think it would be good for some of our listeners to have some kind of North Star um, with whatever type they may be dominant in to kind of know when they're on the right track of transformation uh, and excavation of ex- essence, as you call it. Um, on like some of the unexpected gifts that can come from silence, solitude, and stillness. Do you have any reflections on that? Because I think a lot of us can hear you riff really fast and go, what on earth? I've, I, ne- I never knew there was this harmony triad and this layer and that layer and that layer. But I really think the, the great gift is maybe just following some of the breadcrumbs here to kind of know, yeah, this is... In silence, stillness, and solitude, here's some of the gifts that come um, from these disciplines and practices that, quite honestly, some of them have been forced on us right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if we want to sort of moonwalk way back to, to sort of make this more, more broadly accessible just for our shared human condition, um, I, I think what we have to come to terms with is Actually, we're not a type. We One of my teachers, Russ Hudson, says this, you have a type, but you're not your type. Yeah, yeah. And I'm lazy when I say you're born your type because what I actually mean is we're, we're born into our essence, our innocence. We're, we're born into our soul's creative purpose for being. And, and the problem is, is most of us have completely lost contact with that. Um, most of us have, have forgotten what that was. And, and when there's a kind of reverb or resonance in our, in our soul and our heart, when we align with some of that intrinsic goodness, we're, we're, we're kind of jarred out of this slumber we're in. Now, I, I, I like to, to, to sort of frame Enneagram types um, through one of the ways that, that one of my teachers taught me, and, and that was metaphoring type as a prison. And, and I think we're all sort of self-incarcerated. We've incarcerated our essence. We've locked it up. And, and the bummer is there's something safe about that. There's something comforting uh, uh, about putting our essence in a container and, and and closing a door on it as if we're protecting it as if we don't have to to nurture it as if we don't have to see it grow and, and the bummer is and i think when people don't understand the enneagram as really a tool for transformation and, and they misperceive it more as this is a way of reading personality then what they've done is they they've moved into the cell and, and it's as if they've come to believe that this is a life sentence. And and so they start decorating the prison cell and they start rocking their Enneagram t-shirts and coffee mugs as if they're proud of what they've sort of done to be incarcerated for. 
what my teacher says is I'm less interested in describing the thickness of these prison walls than I am turning them translucent so that my essence can radiate through. And so I think for North Star here, it's how do we live free? How, how do we remember why we exist and what gift we're supposed to bring into the world and how we can actually get in line and, and help heal the world? Well, we do that by healing ourselves, loving ourselves, caring for ourselves, and, and learning to, to sort of make peace with and have an honest relationship with all of these fragmented bits of self that, that we've over-identified with, that we've come to believe really are us. And so um, it's a path of humility and a path of finding a sense of humor in that humility and, and then learning to laugh at the illusions that we've, we've fallen into. We've incarcerated our essence. That's a salty, salty hot take. Yeah, and we've, we've done this to ourselves. I mean, we really only have ourselves to blame for that. So for maybe some of our listeners that have also heard other phrases around childhood wound, uh, attack on essence, where, how, how do you start excavating back to that place to, to attempt to heal and, and reemerge from that original innocence, if you will? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, so Gurdjieff, George Gurdjieff um, in 1916 sort of brought the Enneagram as a process teaching back into consciousness. And and when I say that, I, I, I mean, the Enneagram may have existed for thousands of years and, and not as a personality system, but as a, a, a way of reading um, dynamic systems, if it was astrology or mathematics or, I, I mean, anything. When Gurdjieff brought this forward and and he taught it through dance and body work. Um, he taught it as a way of, uh, of seeing everything that could be taught and everything that could be learned. He said that the Enneagram is also a tool for remembering and remembering what we've forgotten. And, and so I think that's really the, the, the first, the first step here. It's like, I, I have some memories actually of preschool and, and I don't know that I have any crystal clear conscious memories prior to preschool but you know what? Those first three or four years of my life sure mattered. They, yeah. they, they created a lot of the path and the trajectory that I found myself on as an adult. And I wish I could remember who I was, what was happening, what was shaping me, what was forming me. Well, well I think that's what's at, at play here with the Enneagram as well. It, it's remembering who we've always been. And it's maybe a little more difficult than, than, than sort of reaching back to pre-preschool conscious memories of yourself, of a parent or caregiver, of, of a sibling or a classmate. But in other ways, it's much easier because all of these things that we're trying to remember are sitting here right now with us in our hearts, in our imaginations, in our bodies. And it's just breathing into them. It's just saying yes to them. It's letting them lead, not these conditioned pattern versions of, of who we've become. So it's compassionate work actually. And, and I, and I think that's, what's kind of exciting about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. What is keeping you most curious about your Enneagram studies these days? I mean, every time I talk to you, I feel like there's new language, color angles, um, new discovery that that you bring to it and all of these voices and people that you've studied under 
Um, what's keeping you most curious about it right now? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think what, what I find encouraging is in the curiosity of, of, of not allowing myself to sort of get stuck at any sort of sense of conclusion. It's like when, when you see these folks who are just like, this is about personality and I am this number, then man, I, I feel like you, you've just sort of closed the book on a story that's still being written. Mm. And so a couple of my teachers and, and this comes up in, in, in the Enneagram map makers podcasts actually sort of have this, this, this theory believe this notion that there's no such thing as a pure type that really what becomes type is the unresolved residue of our wings in conflict with each other. And, and that starts to make a little bit more sense of, you know, I, I, I I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And, and so what that might mean is it's actually the tension of type seven energy and type nine energy trying to make sense of each other, mm. trying to negotiate what they can't agree on <laughs> and what they can't agree on and what's unresolved becomes the energy of eight. And so if that's actually a, a better rendering of type, then I'm actually having to learn to make peace with um, conflicted aspects of, of my own psychic structure. And then if that's actually the case, and you bring that into the inside of the circle, these lines no longer mean integration or disintegration. They're lines towards resolution. Mm. They're lines towards what one of my teachers calls the defended point, not the stress point. Interesting. And, and so from A, I, I, I don't reach to five in, in disintegration. I reach to five for resolution, where I reflect on the too muchness of not knowing how to deal with the conflict of the energy on my wings. And now all of a sudden I have some rails for, for, for some inner work for, for some, for some soul work here versus, Oh, I'm an eight. So I'm going to be an eight hole and I'm going to bully everybody and I'm going to curse a little bit. It's like, well, that's, that's not interesting. That doesn't help me. So from where you sit, um, would your kind of outlook on this be like, I've always, you know, people typically, We'll kind of start from the, well, I'm an eight with a seven wing. I've always had this, my sense that like, I don't know if like one wing, like when I hear wings, I think of flying and I think they both need to be doing something. Um, but then when you share this idea on them being in conflict, help me navigate that world of wings, flying, flying feels like harmony. Now I'm hearing wings in conflict and it doesn't feel like harmony. Well, so that's, that, I mean, that's a great way to, 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 to sort of put it through another lens. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. Like I, I, I generally would say, yes, I'm an eight with a really strong seven wing, but that does not mean that I don't have a nine wing. In fact, the, the wing is always there and has always been there. It's just that maybe I've found it more socially advantageous or, or maybe I've learned to cope hmm. with my, my pain more by leaning towards seven than, than towards nine. The, the, the thing is though, and, and you're right, a, a bird needs two wings to fly. Like you're, you're not flying with one wing. And, and so to actually bring both of these into resonance to, to harmonize them is, is what gets us somewhere. And I don't think that even metaphoring type as the the unresolved conflict of these two wings diminishes the relationship they have because actually 
conflict is is, is catalytic. Conflict mm-hmm. creates sparks, and, and sparks create fire, and, and fire really support, sus, sustains movement, momentum, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and life. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's lots of ways to come at it, and, and and this, I think, is one of them right now that it's at least keeping me curious because it's it's a way to actually find some real practical hinges to do some of my work and, and my soul work. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if some of the number or the type that we may be dominant in is unresolved. Perhaps there's a yin and yang there that there's some of it that's also resolved. Um, I would have to think that something there has to be true as we ground ourselves in what number we may be dominant in. Um, it's got to be both and at some point. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Well, man, um, I feel like I could do this all day with you. Um, how are things in Omaha? How's Felina? How are you guys doing? You know, when, when things got crazy in the world, we uh, had four months, and I imagine at least four months of, of workshops, retreats, um, speaking, canceled all in, in the course of eight days. And it was a huge blow to, to us and our little nonprofit here. And so we um, put our imaginations together, plugged in some wellness webinars, and, and through April are doing um, these weekly Monday, Wednesday, Friday events for, for the community. And it's been it's been great. And it's been great to see her sort of shine and, and take ownership and leadership beautiful, of that. Beautiful. Um, for our listeners to uh, learn more about Gravity and maybe support you guys, um, where's the best place for them to head to see what you guys are doing? Yeah, just go to gravitycenter.com. And um, there's lots of ways to get involved and, and lots of ways to join us. And and we, like everyone in the world right now, are, are, are changing how we do things. And, and so we're, we're bringing a lot of our, our efforts online. Um, and glad to, to resource folks out there who are trying to build a better world and, and believe that should come from a grounded and rooted place of, of spiritual um, awareness and, 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 and spiritual health. No doubt. No doubt. Now, you got another book in the works? Something something brewing? Is that something we can talk about? Um, so I have a book that actually drops uh, the third week of May, The Enneagram of Belonging, and uh, something I've been working on for, for a couple of years and actually super excited to, to see this thing sort of get out there and start some, some I think, much, much needed conversations and, and spaces where people are playing around and using the From Enneagram. From the sacred Enneagram, where is this one going to take us? What's your, what was your... Well, so the bummer is, this is the book that I originally wanted to write. And um, I think, you know, I started the, the sacred Enneagram probably, probably five or six years ago now. Um, I, I I can agree that the majority of the people working with the tool today in, in, in some of the more popular spaces probably weren't ready for, for the Enneagram of Belonging. Um, I'm hoping that the Enneagram of Belonging is, 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 it's like two wings. It's like, on one hand, a, a pushing this whole conversation forward into the new frontier while simultaneously kind of a throwback, like a reaching back to the basic, basic four fundamental building blocks, four original Enneagons that Claudio Naranjo used to build out the personality system. And, and, and I don't want to be a punk, but it's like in this age of, 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 of suddenly 
an overwhelming number of instant experts in the Enneagram landscape, if I actually put four blank Enneagrams in front of them and said, hey, let's let's start with the basics. Let's start with the four fundamental ingredients. And at type four, around the circle, fill in the holy ideas. At type seven, around the circle, fill in the fixations. At type two, around the circle, fill in the virtues. And at type five, around the circle, fill in the the, the passions. I imagine a lot of these folks wouldn't sort of pass mm-hmm. the pop quiz. And so that's part of what I wanted to do. I wanted to say, hey, let's know what we're working with. Let's understand that um, if we don't have a grasp on these first four Enneagons that the personality system was built out of, then then, then what are we actually trying to do here, accomplish here? But then I'm trying to move this forward because it's like, yes, for, for the last 40 years, uh, a lot of the stuff that's being peddled out there is is, is a shameless regurgitation of old ideas. It's just simply being masqueraded or, or rewritten or, or polished. And I, I think we have to continue to push this discussion um, off the edge and the cliff and into sort of this, the exciting uncertainty of where it's going to take us. Um, um, I love it. You know, the last place where I was with you when you were in Waco, um, I loved how you just ended the couple of nights that you were with us of like, hey, push this thing. Take it. If you're seeing something here that hasn't been written about or thought about, then dive into that rabbit hole. And I thought, um, no one else is saying that. Uh, everything, everyone else is showing up into the room as the as the expert. But I love your humility and your like mysterious possibility that you're holding uh, the Enneagram in that place for all of us. So gives me hope, keeps me excited, and um, thank you for being one of the voices that is um, pushing it off the edge. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, lot, it's, it's lots of fun. I, I love I love seeing where this, this is going and, and, and where it's going to lead us, and, and it's how it's going to help us um, continue to wake up and evolve and, and, and transform. No doubt, no doubt. So the Enneagram Map, excuse me, Enneagram Map Makers, uh, uh, produced by the Center for Action and Contemplation. You guys make sure you go subscribe to that. Chris, the best places uh, that you would have us follow you online, Instagram, Twitter, where you want us to go? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm Chris Hewartz on both Twitter and Instagram, um, chrishewartz.com, and then gravitycenter.com is, is where most things sort of land or, or end up but yeah beautiful. wherever beautiful <laughs> all right brother well thank you for joining us as always um super grateful for you and your work in the world and uh always for your generosity and sharing your insight and wisdom with us yeah i love connecting with you man hopefully we'll see you sooner than later and be together in the same space yes, yes no doubt